Hello and welcome to Disastrous History. My name is Anthony, and I am the host of this wonderful mess of a show that will attempt to chronicle some of the biggest and most interesting disasters, messes, and all-around screw-ups that have happened throughout the centuries. We're going to continue with our tornado theme for another week at least, except we've had a change of location this week. This week, we're going to be covering tornadoes in Europe. You don't often hear about tornadoes in Europe, and there's a good reason for that. They're not super common. The main reason for this is there really isn't a good location for warm air and cold air to collide through most of Europe on a regular basis. There are a couple good locations, but they aren't like regular occurrences. In the United States, the Midwest gets hit often with tornadoes because warm air coming off the Gulf of Mexico collides with cold, dry air coming down from the Rockies. This is a constant occurrence. It is constantly happening. This does not happen anywhere regularly in Europe. There are a couple locations it does happen on occasion, namely northern Italy near the Alps, so cold, dry air coming down from the Alps, warm air coming off the Mediterranean, southern England, sometimes you'll get warm air coming up from the continent and cold air coming down from the Arctic and Scotland and all that, and southern Germany and Austria where you'll get cold air coming down from the Alps and then warm air coming up through France and um, Spain. Now, Previous episodes featuring tornadoes, so the Palm Sunday outbreak of 1965 and last week's episode of about more Oklahoma and all the tornadoes that have hit there, primarily feature tornadoes that have happened after the 1960s. There are a couple tornadoes that were talked about during the Moore episode that happened before the 1960s, but none of the big ones really came up before the 1960s. That has multiple reasons, number one being there weren't really any good witness statements or witness records of tornadoes before like 1920, 1930 in the Midwest because it wasn't super populated. Also, the study of meteorology has really grown lately, so you're able to get better records, more accurate records, and more reliable science. For this episode, though, it's going to be a bit different. Because Europe has had written records for so long, there are numerous credible records of tornadoes from a long time ago. And we're going, we're talking like all the way back. For instance, Aristotle, that famous Greek philosopher, wrote on tornadoes in his book Meteorologica. He believed that tornadoes were associated with wind trapped inside the cloud and moving in a circular motion. Once the wind escaped, it descended to the earth with the cloud in tow making a tornado or a water spout. He called this a typhon. So there is at least some evidence that he had seen or been told about tornadoes. While he does not specifically write about a single instant, he has the knowledge to make a pretty good description of how a tornado forms. And he's pretty right. I mean, he doesn't have the warm air colliding with cold air, making a horizontal vortex and then an updraft pushing the vortex up into a vertical up uh, vortex. But he has the the basics of how a tornado forms down. It's, I mean, for ancient Greece, that's pretty good. And it was, that's how it was used up until the Middle Ages and then beyond that when we started to really study tornadoes. But we're going to have, we have some very specific instances of tornadoes in Europe. So let's get into it. Now, there are stories of tornado in 788 in freezing Germany. Now, I did my best to hunt down the actual record of this 
alleged tornado. And as best I can tell from doing the research for this and translating where the sources that people gave and going back to, so I translated from German a report from 1830s that said there was a tornado in freezing in 788. He cited a monk that wrote in Latin of a tornado in 788 in freezing. So I went back to that source and I translated a bunch of the Latin and I had help translating some of the Latin because I never took Latin so this was a lot of um, using translation services. And I'm not entirely convinced that it was actually discussing about an actual storm. I'm not at all fluent in Latin, so I may be wrong, but it seems he's more talking about a general storm of bad things that are occurring because they have angered God. It's more of a, we did bad things, so storms and earthquakes and plagues and pestilence are attacking us rather than an actual evidence of a storm. There's no reference to a anything related to a tornado or anything of a Latin word that would be similar to what they would call a tornado. I even looked for references to columns of smoke or columns of air or things like that, and I couldn't find anything. So I'm not going to deny that a tornado could have occurred in 788. I'm obviously not fluent in Latin, but I'm not 100% certain that one actually did. And even if it did, I can't give you any more information other than, hey, there may have been a tornado in freezing Germany in 788. But we're going to move past that one. The first officially recorded tornado in Europe was in Rosdila, Ireland, sometime in April of 1054. The modern name of this town is Rostala. This one, this record comes to us from the Annals of the Four Masters, Chronicon Scotorum. This is a chronology of the history of Ireland. It was translated in 1866 from an older manuscript that has now been lost. It was written around the 12th century. I think the best way to describe this is from the text itself, so I'm just going to read what the actual translation is because it is an excellent description of a tornado. A steeple of fire was seen in the air over Rostela on the Sunday of the Festival of George. For the space of five hours, innumerable, innumerable blackbirds passing into and out of it, and one large bird in the middle of them. And the little birds went under his wings when they went into the steeple. They came out and raised up a greyhound that was in the middle of town, aloft in the air, and let it drop down again so that it died immediately. And they took up three cloaks and two shirts and let them drop down in the same manner. The wood on which these birds perched fell under them, and the oak tree upon which they perched shook with its roots in the earth. So, let's break that down a bit. The steeple of fire was not actually fire. A tornado looks like a steeple. Right? It also looks like a column of smoke. So that's where we get steeple of fire. Which is... Coincidentally, a much better name for a tornado anyway. Just imagine if you're just sitting there and look at that steeple of fire. That sounds so much cooler than tornado. The other thing is, is tornadoes look exactly like a column of smoke. If you are just happen to look out your window and you see this tall black thing that's in a straight line, you're going to think it's A, not windy outside, and B, that's just smoke. Even 
I mean, even if you can't see the actual flames, if it's behind trees or behind a hill or behind houses, it's just going to look like smoke. And if it starts to sway to one side or the other, like smoke, like tornadoes do, it's just going to look like the smoke was being blown by the wind. I can totally see how that would happen. So the next thing is what are these birds? It's a pretty simple explanation. It's debris. That high in the air, with the debris flying around, it's going to look like a bird, especially if it's wood just flopping back and forth. It's going to look like a bird flapping its wings. Then it took a dog and dropped it from a height high enough to kill the dog. Definite tornado. Same explanation for the trees shaking in their roots. The only weird thing from this report of a tornado in Ireland is that it's reported that it was on the ground for five hours, and that's a long time for a tornado. But we can explain that. It's probably over-exaggerating on the part of the author. It happened all the time in the Middle Ages. It happens all the time now. It was, it was very common to over-exaggerate. So we'll move on to the next one. The next record we have of a tornado in Europe is in London on October 17th, 1091. This report comes to us from a monk in Worcester. That monk's name was either Florence or John. For a long time, Florence got credit for writing the Chronicon Ex Chronicis, which is a chronology, chronology of world history which begins with creation and ends in 1140. But it turns out Florence may have been the researcher while John actually wrote the thing. This is doubly true because Florence died in 1118 and we have his death record, so it was very likely that it was John that actually wrote it, since, you know, John lived past 1118 into 1140. This really doesn't super matter, since it was basically 900 years ago, but I feel like the right people should get credit for the work they do. But anyway, I'd read this one word for word as well, but it is in Latin, and my Latin obviously isn't super great, as I've told you before, so I'd have to rely on a translation service, and I'm afraid it wouldn't do it justice. So I'm going to summarize. Basically, it says the tornado hit London from the south and destroyed 600 houses and many churches. Was it actually 600 houses? Probably not. It was just the first number he wrote down that meant a lot, that would adequately describe the damage that had happened to London during this tornado. This tornado also allegedly killed two people within St. Mary's Church and drove several of the timbers of the roof several feet into the ground. Were they actually that far into the ground? Who knows? Maybe it was a rare F4 or F5 in medieval England. It's possible. It's also highly likely that this was a tornado. John, or Florence if you prefer thinking that Florence wrote it, literally called it a whirlwind that struck London from the south. So it's likely that this was a tornado and not something else. So we're going to move on because... There's not really much record of any of these tornadoes. They kind of just wrote down what they saw and then moved on to the next thing. So we'll move on too. Next we move to Prague. A strong tornado struck the castle of Visserod and destroyed the center of the palace on July 30th, 1119. It was described as, The center of the palace was destroyed to the ground and more quickly than a man would break an ear of cereal. The wind gusts broke upper and lower beams into pieces with the house itself and threw them about. This scale was so strong that wherever it raged in it, this country by its vehemence, 
It uprooted forests, apple trees, and whatever stood in its way. Now, I do not know what breaking an ear of cereal is. I have to be 100% honest. And I have searched and searched for this phrase everywhere, and I cannot find it. I don't know if maybe it's been translated incorrectly from 1119 to now, but the source that I used, and it's a very good source, has it as breaking an ear of cereal, so that's what I'm going with. And unfortunately, we lost a lot of apple trees in this, which is pretty sad. But that's the end of this tornado description as well. Like I said, there's not much to these very old ones. So we're going to continue on. Fortunately, we're going to stay in the same country, which is modern Czech Republic. This time, we have a tornado in 1144. This is actually two tornadoes in 1144. But, because this was during a military operation, the exact location within this area is unknown. We know it was near a military encampment of one Prince or Duke Otto. Different sources call him either Prince or Duke. Guessing it's a translation issue. I'm going to be real honest with you for a second. I am about to butcher the name of this account, where it comes from. I have tried over and over again, and I cannot get it. So I'm going to try my best, but it will be incorrect. I'm very sorry. This account comes from the Analyst Gratisenses et Apatovicenses. It is a chronicle of Czech and Moravian affairs written in the 12th century in Bohemia. I'm going to use the exact description because it is excellent. I know I've said that about everyone, but this one is pretty good. In the year 1144, on the 14th of May i.e. on the day of Whitsuntide, a horrible and in our time unheard of thing happened not far from the encampment of Prince Otto, who himself and an innumerable number of people saw it. Because about the noon, when it was very clear, a black column was seen by the above persons rising from the ground up to the clouds, and in its circle a rapid whirl rotated. And when it was to come to the respective place, a signal could be seen from the top of the sky in the form of a triangle very brilliant and pointed, which fought the untold monster and thrust it into the inside of the earth. After some break, lasting about one hour, another column could be seen, darker than the darkness and lifting with an even more rapid whirl in the same way from the ground, against which a sign in the form of the brightest circle appeared, and in its center the sign of the holy cross was seen. And the sign, with a remarkable speed, stabbed the monster and pressed it towards the sur surface of the earth. And when some knights sturdily approached and wanted to observe it, they left with their eyes covered. They could not look at the monster when sand and pebbles rotated around their faces into their eyes, pulled out dust, caused difficulties. This account features two tornadoes about an hour apart. It also features, apparently, uh, I'm assuming some holy fighter fighting the tornadoes back into the ground, which is awesome. First, we have a bright, shining triangle, which fights the tornado and shoves it into the ground. I'm not entirely sure what they're describing here, but it kind of sounds like lightning, and it's very possible that lightning struck right as the tornado dissipated, or in the same general time frame as the tornado dissipating. It's possible. The second one, which 
they call the Holy Cross scene in the middle of the tornado was also probably lightning that happened to strike in or around the time the tornado dissipated. But honestly, I would watch a movie where lightning and tornadoes fought each other. That sounds super awesome. But anyway, back to our tornado here in 1144. We also have knights that appear out of nowhere and want to approach the tornado. Now, I can't say for certain, but this 100% sounds like storm chasers. It is totally not out of the realm of possibility that this was a group of knights who were friends, who may or may not have been partaking in beverages of the alcoholic nature, and happened to look out the window or look up and see this giant black thing roaming across the countryside and decide, hey, we should go see what that is. And then when they finally almost get near it, it disappears. So they're like, oh man, what do we do now? Well, what do you do? You have another drink, and you go see if you can find another one. So that's probably what they did. And they are happening down the road, and the probably drunkest one says, well, let's go this way, and they finally see another one. And again, the drunkest one decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk up to it. And I'm going to offer it a drink. And he strolls up to the twister. And he chucks the tankard of ale. And from then on, he is known as the Extreme. I'm just kidding. But it's absolutely 100% got to be Storm Chasers. They have to be going around trying to figure out what this thing they just saw was. Because they didn't have a name for it. It was just a giant column of wind moving at a rapid pace. Destroying anything it touched. So... Clearly, you're going to want to try and figure out what that is. And maybe they saw the first one and decided, eh, let's ride around here for a bit, see if we can get a second one. I, It's it's middle-aged Storm Chasers. It, that's exactly what it's got to be. That's basically how Storm Chasers started. It was a bunch of friends that were like, tornadoes are kind of cool. We need to learn more about them. Let's go see if we can catch one. All right, that's enough about night Storm Chasers, even though it's would be a super cool movie. The next tornadoes we have recorded spun up in France. The first was on August 10th, 1680 in Sillery, France, and the second was on August 15th, 1687 in Bonast, Villagnon. Sillery is just northwest of Paris near Reims. Both reports come from Francois Lamy, a theologian in France. The first one is more detailed, and also I had to translate this from French, then try to summer it, which was a task. But anyway, here it is. Francois was at a house when he looked across the plain and witnessed a tall pillar of smoke. He compared it to a tall pyramid. He observed that the smoke did not appear to be very bright, but assumed that it was because the sun was behind him, causing the flames to be washed out. He then quickly realized that this was not smoke at all, but he had no idea what it was. He was super helpful to include a drawing of what he witnessed, which will be up on DisastrousHistory.com. Which, if you don't look at the picture, it is exactly what a tornado looks like. He then noted that the column appeared to move on its own. Then he witnessed the top of the tornado and the bottom of the tornado begin to angle at about 60 degrees. He admits multiple times he doesn't have the foggiest clue what this thing could be. But we know it was a tornado. After the tornado disappeared after about 30 or so minutes, he pulled 
you know, four or five people up to witness it just to make sure he wasn't going crazy. And they all saw the same thing before they had to leave. And he was left alone standing there going, why am I the only one wondering what this thing is? Why did everyone else just, you know, go off about their business? This is a giant pillar of smoke with no observable fire that just kind of appeared and then disappeared. No one else finds this weird. But Francois did find it weird, and the next day he traveled to the town struck by the tornado. There he witnessed a young man who had been struck by the tornado and eventually died. He tried to talk to the young man, but he refused to speak because he was so terrified and then ended up passing away later. From some people, he heard reports of dragons within the column. From others, he heard reports that it was a ladder by which angels ascended and descended. He also heard reports that it was a cross, and they saw Christ on it. And from some people, they claimed to have witnessed animals within the tornado, and they told him that those animals were demons. He was also told by one person, who may have actually been in the twister, that there were sorcerers and demons, and he had seen a large number of crows inside the column. All of these things have some pretty good explanations. The first one, reports of dragons within the column. Nobody saw any dragons breathing fire, but if it traveled through town, it could have picked up embers or fires that were going in town, and it would have looked like fire-breathing dragons inside. The second one, the ladder by which angels ascend and descend. Well, it's a really tall column of what appeared to be solid, so, I mean, it makes sense. They're angels, they're obviously going to make grand appearances. Why not on a giant swirling tower of terror to go up and down back into heaven? The other one was a cross with Christ on it. This is very common in the Middle Ages especially. People saw crosses and everything and Christ on everything. It still happens now. Like it's not, you can't go that long without somebody finding a Cheeto that looks like a cross with Jesus on it. It's just kind of a thing that happens with religious zeal. The last one, people witnessing animals within the tornado, that makes sense. It hits town. Town has goats and dogs and pigs and cows and cats, and they're going to get sucked up in the tornado, and they're going to be flying around the tornado. It happens now. They're obviously these animals are flying of their own accord. They've never seen an animal get picked up off the ground and fly before, so clearly those animals are demons. And then the guy that actually got sucked up into the tornado, who witnessed a bunch of crows inside the tornado, he probably saw black debris that was flopping around so rapidly that it looked like crows flying around. Absolutely makes sense. It all makes sense. He then continued on to and was shown debris and damage from the actual tornado. He witnessed the earth scoured, which all of the plant life had been ripped up, the trees had been ripped out, the houses in the area were destroyed, and it was basically just barren dirt. He also witnessed some trees that were slightly outside of the path of where the tornado traveled that had the bark cleaned off of them, which is very common in tornadoes, and he thought that was insane. The first conclusion that Francois reached was that the tornado was only visible by
by the debris that it had picked up from the ground. Which makes sense. He also concluded that the tornado did not take up much space and width, but it did take up a lot of height. And he did speculate that it could be very thick with the right conditions. He also concluded that it was a natural thing and that the people that had been terrified and had taken to superstition and crazy wild theories about what it actually was didn't have to be worried and that it could happen again. They should be worried about that, but that it was a natural thing and it wasn't like something from the heavens was mad at them. So from there, we're going to go back to England. There we're going to have the Great Malvern Tornado of 1761, which I want to share just because of the description. This was written by a Mr. Sylvanus Urban in the Historical Chronicle. The tornado struck Great Malvern in Worcestershire, England. He writes, At a quarter past four in the afternoon, a most astonishing phenomenon was seen at Great Malvern in Worcestershire and parts adjacent. It had the appearance of a volcano and was attended with a noise as if 100 forges had been at work at once. It filled the air with a nauseous sulfurous smell. It rose from the mountains in the form of a prodigious thick smoke and proceeded to the valleys where it rose and fell several times and at length it subsided in a turnip field where the leaves of the turnips, leaves of the trees, dirt, sticks, etc. filled the air and flew higher than the highest hills. It was preceded with the most dreadful storm of thunder and lightning ever heard in the memory of man, and spread a universal consternation wherever it was seen or heard. What the smell was there, I'm not sure. Probably a combination of debris colliding with each other in the tornado and actual fires being picked up and whatnot. It also apparently destroyed a lot of turnips, and apparently Mr. Sylvanus is a very dedicated Animal Crossing player because he seems very upset about these turnips. Apparently he spent a lot with Daisy May and was expecting a big number to get back. I'm very sorry for his loss. Alright, next tornado. This one impacts a famous person. Well, a famous person if you're obsessed with history. This one hit famed biologist Gregor Mendel. Mendel was living in Brno in the modern-day Czech Republic in an apartment on October 13, 1870. He was in his apartment when all of a sudden, a few minutes before 2 p.m., the air darkened significantly. The building started to violently shake and latched doors burst open and heavy pieces of furniture shifted and the windows shattered. It only lasted a few seconds before he was able to look out a window and see a tornado traveling south before it disappeared. Mendel stated that the sky was a light gray color, which allowed for the darkness of the tornado to stand out against the backdrop of the sky. He described the tornado as having a giant cone descending from the sky, swaying to and fro, and meeting the second giant cone on the ground in the middle. The top cone was of a dark black color, which he compared to a column of smoke on a calm day. The bottom cone he described as a gray-brown color, no doubt from the debris picked up and strewn about as it traveled through town. He reported numerous trees uprooted and stripped, houses with their roofs removed, and the walls that had been so pelted by debris they looked mangled. He also reported it looked like debris from inside houses had been sucked horizontally through broken windows. 
Mendel, being the scientist he is, took educated estimates of the size of the tornado in different locations. He estimated that the damage to his apartment was about 18 feet wide. Then observed the damage path of the tornado grow to about 700 feet wide at its widest point. He estimated the tornado traveled about a mile on the ground. Mendel also points out that this tornado spawned clockwise, which is unique to this tornado. Most tornadoes in the normal northern hemisphere spin counterclockwise, but it is possible for them to spin clockwise. He's very adamant that this tornado spun clockwise. He spends several paid paragraphs talking about how it was clockwise. There was no way he was wrong. It was absolutely clockwise. He was absolutely not wrong that it was it was not counterclockwise, which was counter to everything he believed. It was absolutely clockwise. I say that that many times because that's how often he said it in his report. Dude wanted you to know that he was not wrong. It spun clockwise. He also refers to this tornado as a wind hose, which it was in German, but still. Wind hose is a really funny name for a tornado. I'm very sorry, but I want to refer to all tornadoes from now on as wind hoses. He also refers to them as trombones and trumpets on numerous occasions, or at least that's what my translation software was picking up, was trombones and trumpets, which makes sense because tornadoes kind of do look like a trombone or a trumpet sticking down from the sky. Kind of occasionally sound like them, too. There are a ton more tornadoes from the early 1100s to about 1800 or so, but they don't really have good reporting with them. Some of the ones in this episode that we've covered so far don't really have good reporting with them, but they were humorous, and I wanted to share them. So we're going to move ahead to some more modern tornadoes in Europe. Modern is used a little loosely here because our first one is in 1904. June 29th, 1904, in fact, a tornado struck the eastern part of Moscow, Russia. There are some reports it was two tornadoes. I don't think we'll ever know if it was actually two tornadoes. Russian reporter Vladimir Gilyarovsky described a cloud dropping from the sky and another cloud growing from the ground and meeting in the middle. Many reported thinking it was a cloud of smoke from a large fire. The tornado ended up destroying a large portion of eastern Moscow. Not much else is really known about this tornado. Gilyarovsky noted seeing at least one man dead, but the death toll is inevitably higher. The tornado occurred in the middle of the Russo-Japanese War, and censorship in Moscow was extremely high. They weren't allowing the release of police reports. They didn't really do much damage recovery, just because they were so focused on fighting the Japanese in a war. Also, this area of Moscow was home to a large population of squatters in a nearby forest. This forest was completely destroyed, and it took years to clean out the trees, which means the body count for this tornado was probably significantly higher than the one that has been seen. I saw some estimates that it is as high as 800 people. So, that's a lot of individual tornadoes. But what about, you know, tornado outbreaks? We've already, I guess, technically had one way back in 1144 with our Knights storm chasing the second tornado. But, I mean, that's not really an outbreak. The United States has outbreaks of, you know, 60 or 70 or even 100 tornadoes. As There's got to be something like that in Europe. And there is. The largest tornado outbreak in recorded European history was in the United Kingdom in 1981. 
Over the stretch of 5 hours and 26 minutes, a whopping 104 tornadoes were confirmed throughout the United Kingdom. A low-pressure system was bringing cold air in from the north, from the direction of Scotland. A high-pressure system was pushing into southern England from Europe. Attached to it was a large amount of humid hot air. This allowed for supercell thunderstorms to fire up across the southern portion of the United Kingdom. The first tornado spun up in Amelwich, Wales, and was a weak F1 tornado. Honestly, most of these tornadoes were extremely weak, with the strongest being a low F2 rating. Only eight people were injured, and there were zero deaths. And most of the damage was minor property damage. There was nothing super major that actually occurred. I think there was one roof removed, but that's about it. Interestingly, after this tornado outbreak occurred, the warm air mass broke down, which allowed the cold air from the Arctic Circle in Scotland to drop farther south. This led to the coldest month of December ever recorded in England and Wales. So, I kind of want to talk about a lot of these reports. There's one thing that really ties all of these reports together, besides the last one where there was all those tornadoes, where it was well known by 1981 what a tornado was. The one thing that really ties all these reports together is... Nearly every single report has the witnesses thinking that it is a column of smoke. The tornado in Ireland literally called it a steeple of fire. Multiple people reported thinking it was smoke. The tornadoes in France with Francois Lamy. He thought it was smoke. The people he brought to look at the tornado dismissed it as smoke at first before he convinced them that it was not actually smoke. It was something different. The tornado in Moscow. People thought it was a giant cloud of smoke. And it really makes you think, how many times in antiquity and the Middle Ages was a tornado that was off in the distance just disregarded as smoke? How many people took a look out their window, saw a storm, thought, hey, that giant black thing's probably smoke. There's lightning. Lightning causes fire. Maybe somebody's house got struck by lightning and now it's on fire. I can't help them. It's way off in the distance. It's just a really tall black thing. Like, that's probably smoke. I'm, if it were me and I had no idea that tornadoes existed, it's also what I would think. Fires were super common. There's at least one great fire in basically every major city. Sometimes multiple great fires in a single city. Yes, I'm staring aggressively at you, London. Stop burning down. I can totally see someone thinking, eh, it's just fire that started by lightning that was subsequently put out by the rain. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and that may help to explain why we don't have that many tornado reports or anything like that from before, you know, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. Well, that and records often get destroyed when they're sat that long, so it's not... So... That brings us to the end of this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you want more, you can follow me on Twitter at Disastrous History. Uh, history is spelled with no vowels, so the username is Disastrous H S T R Y. You can also follow us on Instagram at Disastrous History, spelled correctly. There is also a website where you can read all of the episodes as articles with pictures and maps and other things 
Uh, it's disastroushistory.com, and it is run by my wife, Mrs. Disastrous History. I hope you guys enjoyed this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, stay safe and check your smoke detector batteries.